We've got uh, big time news today. Kind of late breaking stuff. It looks like the Indianapolis Colts today, Coach Frank Wright, says that uh, Matt Ryan hitting the bench. It is Sam Ellinger time. Really? Okay, a couple of caveats with that. One, we know that he has a grade two shoulder sprain. And that is part of the reason why he is going to be on the bench. But, interesting to throw out here, that they also said that they would have made this switch either way. So, the plan apparently is to start Ellinger for the rest of the season. This is such a shocker. Is for as not great as he's been. And look, when they made the when they gave up the third round pick and took the contract, they got it a little restructured for him. I you knew this wasn't going to be a long term solution. I hated the play. I hated giving up another decent piece of draft capital and cap space. To take a guy who, you know, the years were behind him. He was not a long-term solution. And not a guy you were going to build the team around. I, I didn't know what the hope was. And then, you know, of course, uh, all, all the all the writers, oh, no, no, you got to see this guy. Oh, so great in practice. No. No. And he hasn't been. Now, give Matt Ryan a little bit of credit here. What is he? He's like fifth in the in the fourth or fifth in the NFL right now in passing yards. But he's also thrown the most amount of passes. His average is a little bit lower. His completion percentage is right about where it's been historically for his career. The offensive line has not been helping him out. Boy, he had a game where he didn't even have what like his top three running backs at one point. The running game's been atrocious. That's certainly not helping it out. Uh, the teams are finding a way to making them one-dimensional, making Matt Ryan, the man who leads the league in interceptions, who fumbles the ball seemingly all the time. They're putting the game in his hands, and he and the wide receivers in that offensive line cannot deliver. That is an awful lot of cap space, too. They owe him another 21 mil next year. So I, I, I take a look. Why make this? Why make this now? One, it's a little bit out of necessity. Okay. I did find it a little bit odd that Frank Wright said, "Hey, we would have made this change even if Matt Ryan was healthy," which I don't think they would have. You look at the next three: was the Commanders. Uh, New England and Las Vegas. It's not the murderer's row of teams like going into like, you know, Philadelphia like you're going to have coming up here. So if you're going to make a change, this is probably an ideal time to do it. But also, if you wanted Matt Ryan to find his groove, these next three games were where he was going to do that. 
But I found it odd they threw that on top of there. Uh, that makes me wonder if Matt Ryan is even, if they even think he's going to make it back this year with this grade two sprain, whether or not, because they just kind of threw, they threw him on the pile here. Your highest paid player, the guy you gave up a third round draft pick for to come in here and take over the most important spot on your football team. And they just said, ah, the heck with it. We're going to see what the kid has. I mean, it's, it's hard to say, hey, is this the right decision? Is this the wrong decision? Because this is a decision that's being made out of necessity because Matt Ryan's not going to be able to throw the football for a while. But if we put it in the context of what has Matt Ryan done so far for this team? And does that warrant a change um, at quarterback? I, that's the way I'm looking at this. To simply too much money and too much capital given up for a guy to just throw on the side here and say, hey, we're going to take a look at this rookie. That's again, assuming if he was healthy. I would give him the commander's game and go from there. Because, look, it is not easy to come in the beginning of April and then light this thing on fire. Have all the timing with your wide receivers and stuff. Three, three, and one. One, three, and one against the AFC South. That's the thing that really stinks is the record against the South. But when you think about the nine interceptions, you think about the 11 fumbles, that is the sticking point. So it's going to be Sam Ellinger's ball for the rest of the season, they say. But again, I'm just curious to find out whether or not they think Matt Ryan could play at any point at the end of the year. Like, is there at any point where he's healthy enough that if it's not going well with Ellinger, they decide, hey, we're going to go ahead and give it back to Matt Ryan. It's just weird that they threw out that thing. Uh, Frank Reich throws out the, well, even if you said we would be making this decision either way. I wonder that, that I'm just, what's that tell me? And what does that mean for Matt Ryan's future? I saw pro football talk to me now. Was there anybody that would be willing to give uh, up something for Matt Ryan? I'm like, I don't know. Washington seemed to have no problem doing it for Wentz. Yeah, sure, there's somebody dumb enough to do this. But if you watch Matt Ryan this season and then you looked at what that cap hit is for you next year, why in the world would you give up anything for that? Let him cut him. Pass through waivers. If you really want to take a risk on him, take a risk on him for like six mil a year or something. Seven mil. Not paying that man $21 million next year. And then, of course, there's this scenario. What happens if you go through Ellinger and he doesn't look like he's the guy? Do you ride with Matt Ryan for one more year? Do you do everything you can to trade up in the draft to get a quarterback? Or do you band-aid it? like the Indianapolis Colts have done so many times. And I'm not wondering if this doesn't fall on uh, on coaching and management at one point with Ursay. 
I mean, this Matt Ryan thing has not really worked out for them. Now, granted, again, the run game's been terrible. The line's been a bit of a mess. I'm not going to make that many excuses for him, though. I think he's been bad. The picks have been bad. He's fumbled the ball 11 times. And there's no starting quarterback in the NFL that should be doing that. None. So I guess it's time to figure out if you've got something or not here. And uh, again, the Colts hand forced in this by the injury to Matt Ryan. But I did find it odd that they just went ahead and threw it out there and said, yeah, we would have done this either way. It just makes me wonder what the future is for Matt Ryan. All right, let's get to our best bets for the day. Um, Hockey, we were under a little bit on Friday. We won one, lost two. Hey, we've been so hot on hockey. I can stay hot. We can stay hot again tonight. Connor McDavid, over three and a half goals, or shots on goal. Sorry, over three and a half shots on goal. They're hosting Pittsburgh tonight. He averages about four per game. The only time he hasn't hit over four was his last game against St. Louis, who allows the fewest shots in the league. Penguins score a lot, but here's the other thing, too, is uh, it's a very good power play for the Oilers, too, that McDavid helps uh, anchor. I mean, they're darn efficient, and he's usually one of those guys that's getting a lot of shots on there. Uh, I like that over three and a half shots on goal for Connor McDavid. That's my NHL play because we're so hot on those things. We're going to keep that. We're just going to keep it going here. Now, you're going to watch this uh, Bears game tonight. You know you're going to watch this Bears game tonight. You hate yourself that you're going to watch this Bears game tonight, but you're still going to watch the Bears tonight, aren't you? So how do we attack this? I hate eight and a half points. It's the worst. Let's go through some of the facts here for you, though. Okay, Justin Fields, four and nine against the spread as an underdog, and that number is one and four against the spread when he's an underdog of more than a touchdown. Bill Belichick is 12-6-1 against the spread as a favorite of a touchdown or more since 2019. And he wins 17 of those straight up. You know what he does. He takes away your best weapon, which for the Bears will be the running game. And you're going to make Justin Fields throw the football. How do you feel about that, Bears fans? But keep that in mind when you're making your prop bets here. Okay? I like a team under here on the Bears, set at 15 and a half. If the Bears miraculously get the ball down the field, the league's lowest rated red zone passer is Justin Fields. And if they're going to take away running the football, how do you feel about converting in the red zone? Not great. Oh, and just before you start questioning whether or not the Patriots are going to be able to contain the run game. You know how many rushing touchdowns they have surrendered to running backs this season? Zero. Zero. Not looking great. I wanted to take advantage of the Pats' uh, first half minus, it was like three and a half. That's jumped all the way up to almost six now. Still seems like a lot. I'm off on that, okay? I do like this number right here, all right? And I was reading this article on the Action Network, and it made a lot of sense to me. Mac Jones, under 28.5 passing attempts. Okay? Two reasons. One, if the Patriots get up here, it might be zappy time. Because, you know, Mac Jones coming off the injury. They may ease him back in. 
They may run the football a lot here. Only once has an opponent gone over 28 and a half passing attempts in a win over the Bears. That would be the Vikings this season, who played from behind in the fourth quarter. New England's not going to be doing that. This should be a slow pace, too. New England ranking 31st in overall pace. The Bears 20th. They take their time. So the amount of reps for Mac Jones, I don't think are going to be there tonight. So we're going to hit under Mac Jones, 28.5 points here. That's officially on the card. I like the Bears, under 15.5 points scored. I'm going to put that one on the card. I'll float a little bit on the full eight, though, tonight. I just, the Bears' offense is not there. It's not. And we'll anchor it all with that Connor McDavid over three and a half shots on goal. Uh, I feel pretty good about that one for him. All right, there you go. Those are the plays tonight. Best of luck to you here. And uh, please play responsibly. We got a break. Don't go nowhere. We're going to come back. Pat Shanley, Jeff Broncos will join us next. Find out how they spent their bye week here, how it went, and what they're seeing on film when they prepare for Lake Central. That's coming up next. You're listening to the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer and 1017. Welcome back. This is the Hammer Down Show. 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. We're over to our Blue Fox Healing Cooling Hammerhead Hotline. Coach Pat Shanley of the Jet Broncos on with us here. A bye week last week. They'll get set to take on Elsie uh, here on Friday in the first round of their sectional coach always a pleasure to have you back on uh how, how was last week for you guys and uh, uh just kind of give us a, a quick recap of how you handled last week yeah it was a great week um our, our kids were were dialed in and uh, we we tried to keep ourselves in as much of the same routine as possible being that we had an entire week of fall break that was a bit of a challenge but um, we, we brought our kids in at 9 a.m uh, Coach Craig Dunkel um, you know, put them through a workout. Our mom squad would uh, had breakfast for them each and every day afterwards, and we brought them up for practice. Um, arrive at 3:15 as if the bell just rang, and, and uh, we roll from there. So, um, you know, additionally, we had a beautiful night Friday night, and our, our guys got to get under the lights. They dressed in costume, little Halloween theme, nighttime GDD, um, and, they, and they really got after it and really attacked uh, attacked the workout. So, I was really proud of our guys and our coaches for. You know, being being able to adjust um, out of our routine, but uh, you know, continue to, to to stay focused on the task at hand. Let's go ahead and put you on the spot here. Uh, which one of your players had the best costume then for your game day domination on Friday? Man, that's tough. Uh, we had a Jesus sighting. Uh, we had an alien attack in Dewan Dillard. Um, <laughs> Colin Leap was dressed up as a cowboy riding a bull. All all three of those were were pretty epic. So um, yeah, man, to pick one would be a challenge. But uh, they they had a good time with it and. Uh, and managed to work. We we had uh, so, <laughs> there, there's too many good ones, but uh, again, the, the guys showed up. I had a good time and, and worked really hard. All right, so I, I kind of wanted to take the year and and review it type deal from where you were at when you guys got started here in August to where uh, you're at now and how you've grown as a team. And, and in preparing for that, uh, I noticed something going back and looking at your stats. Uh, nine games played during the season here and. When I go through a lot of this, I don't see a whole lot of guys with nine games played uh, throughout the stats from the year, which tells me that you guys have gone through a, a lot of changes for one reason or another. But uh, kind of tell me how you think this team has grown from where you're at week one to where you're at right now. Yeah, man, that's it, a, it's a, a great point and a great question. 
you know, we, we've had our fair share of adversity like every team. And, um, you know, with, within that, we, we've had to develop depth and guys have had to step up. Uh, maybe that weren't going into the season um, penciled in as starters that uh, guys have just had to, to rise to the occasion and play good football. So, um, you know, to answer your question on where we're at, you know, again, I, I, I know we just beat a really good football team uh, in Kokomo, uh, down 30 to 14, uh, kind of a, you know, a game that required our guys to stay the course. And I, and I told our coaches this yesterday in our coaches meeting, um, yeah, we just kept coaching on the sideline. There wasn't a lot of panic. Um, our, our kids were composed, our coaches were composed, and we just kind of stayed the course. And, and um, you know, I think that is really kind of, a, you know, it, it kind of details our season. You know, nobody's panicked. Things haven't gone perfectly. They haven't gone as planned. But, um, you know, coaches coach, players stay the course and, and, and work really hard and, and keep a positive attitude. And, and it's led us to where we're at, which, um, you know, again, we, our goal has always been and what we've, we've talked about is just, trying to play our best football this time of year. So so here we are, and, and hopefully um, we are locked in, and hopefully we are playing good football. It's another matchup with uh, Lake Central in the opening round of the sectional. This is three straight years uh, that you match up with them, uh, have uh, dispatched them uh, pretty handily the last uh, two years. Uh, what's different about LC uh, this year as you look at the tape? Well, uh, Coach Goods in his second year, they're a much improved football team. Defensively, they're really, really good. Um, I, I, we've got uh, a handful of tapes, and in those tapes, um, they're, they're really you – know, nobody's creating explosive plays within the run game against their defense. Their passing game um, is, is kind of bend but don't break. Mm-hmm. Um, they really fly around, man. So they, they've got a lot of guys that are just play really, really hard on defense, and, and you look at their defensive average. I know they're top 10 in 6A in the state. Um, they've, they've played some really good football teams really tough and really close. So – uh, offensively, they've got a running back, number 26, Williams. He's a junior. He's all of 220, really talented kid. Um, he's ran for he, – he ripped off two runs of 50-plus against Maryville. Uh, really single-handedly kept him in the game. They've got athletes on the perimeter. They're big up front. Good, good strong kicking game, good, strong uh, return game as well. So they're, they're a really, really good football team, and really they're, they're – you know, they could easily be – you know, have two or three more wins when you, when you look at the scores. They're a play or two away from having a much better record. Coach Pat Shanley of the Jet Broncos. Again, they're taking on uh, Lake Central this Friday night. Uh, this will be the uh, third year in a row they open up the sectionals uh, against the Lake Central Indians. Uh, Coach, uh, I always appreciate the time to catch up here, and uh, glad to hear that the bye week went well for you guys, and uh, best of luck here on Friday night. Hey, thanks a lot, Jared. Appreciate all you do. Got to love having Coach on. Thank you, Coach Pat Shanley. Um, yeah, Interesting to see how they do in that sectional. Of course, now people have been hearing it. They've been hearing about it for how long? You know, 20 years. When are you going to win that sectional? When are you going to win that sectional? We'll find out. Got to get through LC first, and that'll be uh, this Friday night. All right, don't forget the Blue Fox Hammerhead Hotline. Always open for your text, 765-447-4080. I saw a tweet here uh, just during the break that I wanted to follow up with. From Pro Football Talk, uh, when we talked about the Indianapolis Colts today, has one retirement ever screwed up a franchise as much as Andrew Luck's retirement screwed up the Colts? It's how you got how you want to frame this. He was probably a generational quarterback, probably. 
who, you know, retires early. I have no problem with that. But let's take a look in, in the aftermath here of what Indianapolis has tried to do. Because he last season was the 2018 season. We know about the bandages with Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan. You know, you go the year with Jacoby, not much you could do that year. You're also hindered because, well, you didn't have a lot of great options in the first round. Like, if you go back and look at those drafts, Like 2018, there's nobody, there's nobody that you're like, hey, listen, that we could have gotten the first round or later, because that's the rock you've seen in, uh, double check, that's the Lamar Jackson year, he goes at 32nd, still, not getting to you. Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, Baker, all those guys were not getting to you. Go to the 2019 NFL Draft. Where Indianapolis is picking... I'm sorry, that's the Rocky Seed year. There's nobody in the first round. You just have a second round pick. Which is at 34. You're not getting Kyler that year. So that's already out of the question. Daniel Jones... Giants weren't going to give up anything there. Washington gets Dwayne Haskins. Drew Locke from Denver. Will Greer goes to Carolina. Jarrett Stidham. You see what I'm talking about? Not the best group here. There's nobody. You're you're happy you don't take a quarterback uh, in that class there. Then you go to 2020. And your Indianapolis Colts again without a first-round pick. You don't have any capital. You're picking 34th. You take Michael Pittman Jr. And then you had that other second-round pick. You got Jonathan Taylor. I would think in hindsight, two very good picks for you. At 34 and 41. Now you go back and you look at... Quarterbacks that were up for grabs. Burrow goes first. Tua goes fifth. Justin Herbert at sixth. Were you able to move up with what you had to get? You weren't getting Joey, right? I mean, Miami needed somebody desperately. The Chargers needed somebody desperately because you took their quarterback. Not giving those guys up. Green Bay goes out, gets Jordan Love. They're thinking of the future. Here's and None of those guys that get available to you because of where you're picking. And the Colts would later go get Jacob Eason, which, fantastic. But there is one guy that you miss on there. Turns out to be pretty good. Jalen Hurts at 53. Think back to that draft. Wide receiver and running back. Would you be willing to give up Jalen? Get Jalen and give up one of those guys. I don't know that you want to. At the moment, 
In retrospect, it looks kind of bad. That's one guy in 2020. And it's the same thing in 2021. Go back and look at what you're picking. Quitty pay at 21. Okay, maybe we passed up on somebody that we should have taken a better look at there, right? Real weak quarterback class. At least deep. Trevor Lawrence was going number one. Zach Wilson went number two. Trey Lance at number three. Glad you don't get in on that. Justin Fields is not exactly lighting it up at a, from the 11th spot. Mac Jones was not going to be available to you. Would you like to give it up a lot of capital to get up there and take Mac Jones or Justin Fields or Zach Wilson maybe? I think the price was going to be too high for you. You took Ellinger late into things. And there's nobody else in there. Ian Book, Davis Mills, Kellen Mond, Kyle Trask. It's not like we look at that and go, oh boy, we whiffed on that one. And then you come to the 2022 class. Again, where were the Colts picking? And what did they have to move up for? Alec Pierce at 53. One of the quarterbacks that were going to be available to you at 53? Because it wasn't a great list. Kenny Pickett was the only guy that went in the first two rounds. Desmond Riddler, Riddler, Malik Willis, Matt Corral, Bailey, Zappi. Are these all guys that you feel like, dang, we really missed on? So I think some of the problem here for the Indianapolis Colts is, and either it's by dumb luck that they haven't made a mistake or they know what they're doing, Show me a bunch of quarterbacks that they could have had that they just absolutely whiffed and, and, and didn't take. The one year where there was one guy that you probably could have taken in Jalen Hurts, you got your number one wide receiver and you got the league's leading rusher. Now, to me, both of those guys would pale in comparison to having a a starting quarterback, a franchise quarterback, in Jalen Hurts. Now, whether or not it would have worked out in Indianapolis for him, hey, that's a debate. But this narrative that, like, oh, man, Andrew Luck leaving completely uh, sunk everything and stuff, too. Yeah, there's a little bit of merit to that. But it's not like the Colts have been so out of whack to where like, I hate I hate the band-aid moves and I and I hammer on them for that. But again, go back and look through the drafts and say, where where could they have done something? Where could they have made a move where you're like, hey, should have traded up for that guy in the last four years that you could have done. Right? There's we we named plenty of good quarterbacks on that list, but let's face it. Not a lot of people in the top five that need quarterbacks are willing to trade out of that spot. It is tough to find your guy. I mean, look at how many times the Browns tried to do that. And they had their pick of the litter. 
It's not easy. I, I, I harp on the Colts for what they're doing um, and, and doing these you know, bandage-type things. I just hate giving up the draft. If I'm going to give up the third-round pick, I might as well package something else and, and go in after another young quarterback and start from there. Not guys who are in their twilight years. I mean, Rodgers looks miserable. Brady looks miserable out there. And yet these are both guys that once we get to the offseason, I'm going to watch a whole lot of uh, Colts writers float these names out. And maybe one of them comes here, and then you talk yourself into it. It's like a, it's, it's a cycle right now. At least by putting Ellinger in here, and again, their hand is being forced with this, with the injury. At least by putting him in there, you say, hey, we picked this guy, let's see what we have. I mean, they did it with Jacoby, right? We got this guy, let's see if it works. If it doesn't work, we cut bait and, and we'll, we'll figure it out. But at least let's try. Let's stop doing the exact same thing. And at least see if there's somebody that we got here that can step up and take over the reins at one point. What's the worst is going to happen? You're going to lose? Geez, you might actually have some draft capital at one point. You might actually be able to be at a point where you can trade up five or six spots and get a quarterback that you might like. Now, whether or not there's somebody in this upcoming class, uh, well, let's just wait and see what happens here. Let's see where the chips fall and what you could get. But I guess this, this whole, like, Andrew Luck screwed up everything here, there's some, there's a little bit to that. But it's not like there's been the best of options for the Colts. I will give them that. And this would be easier to slam them if you said, oh, look, you could have had Jalen Hurts and you could have had uh, uh, all these guys here, three or four guys that you passed on to take you know, a position that might have been a need but not of uh, importance as quarterback. I, I just I can't do that anywhere. I can't. But this is also a result, too, of not being prepared with a backup for a quarterback that, you know, in luck that you knew was taking the abuse, right? Is what it is. It's going to take more time, unfortunately, for the Indianapolis Colts to fix. All right. Always love your texts, your thoughts on the Blue Fox heating and cooling uh, hammerhead hotline to 765-447-4080. Maybe Aiden O'Connell can be that fix, huh? Tough, tough game on Saturday. Tough game to watch. You just cannot. It's so easy to critique this, too. You just can't put yourself in a 21 nothing hole to get started. That pick six was a backbreaker. You let Wisconsin have all kinds of momentum. Really, that's where I feel like... I, that's where I feel like that's where the problem started. You're what, like three minutes in and you're down 14 to nothing. Just can't have that stuff. Defense has got to be a little bit better. I know, again, a lot of people banged up. Charles still got 10 catches for 105 yards. Aiden threw for... 320, but the three INTs, a couple of which were pretty bad. Maccabee still good. Another 100 yards for him rushing. 
If you had told me before the game you held you know, Braylon Allen to 16 carries and 113 yards, I would have said, hey, that's that's the green range. That's what you wanted. But Graham Mertz looked like an actual four-star recruit. 13 to 21, 203. But the defense had, when the offense had made mistakes, the defense had been doing a pretty good job of limiting the damage to just field goals. Unable to do that. You can't lose a turnover battle on the road 3-1 to one, and expect for good things to happen. You just can't. Can't give up 54-yard runs for touchdowns. It's just, it's easy to critique. I mean, you just want to burn the whole thing. It was a lack of effort in a lot of phases. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not right here slamming the door on the season. This is a very, very banged-up team that needs the bye week desperately. And the West is not out of reach yet for them. You, know, you still get Illinois. You beat them, boom, right atop the West, and you got the tiebreaker beating them head-to-head. You got Nebraska on your tail, but again, you've beaten them. And then Wisconsin's the last uh, dog in that race. They've got Maryland. Iowa, Nebraska, and Minnesota. They need help, does Wisconsin, but but if they win out, they can be an issue here. Maryland, Iowa, Nebraska, Minnesota. I definitely think they can lose that game to Maryland in two weeks because they get a bye week, and it's at home. That's going to be tight. Iowa's offense is non-existent. Nebraska is Nebraska. And then you're at home against Minnesota. I mean, your best hope here is that it really matters to Nebraska that hopefully they could be playing for a uh, uh, a bowl game appearance or something. But the rest of their schedule is not exactly... Fantastic. If they want, I mean, they're not going to win against Illinois this week. They're not going to win at Michigan. So at least the other three games for them to win are Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Iowa. They have to win all three of those to go to a bowl. And that would be huge for them. So it's not without a reach for Purdue. Still like the matchups down the stretch here. You get the week off. You prepare for Iowa. The offense, not great. You have to go to Illinois. That's going to decide things. You finish up with Northwestern and Indiana, two of the worst teams in the Big Ten, and you could be okay. We could still be talking about, at minimum, an eight-win season here. If you just take care of your business, nine is still on the table for you. Absolutely. But you got to take care of business against Illinois. And really, if you get to a point in Iowa where you can rest the starters, that would be absolutely fantastic. Like I said, you can tell it was a battered team that uh, took the field here the other day. We're going to take a break. Come back. There is more of the Hammer Down Show next on 101. 101- 
Back on the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. It's Jared Jessel. I was all out of whack, too, here, by the way. I talked way too much back there. Uh, completely lost track of time. Um, I, I want to get to something I got on the Blue Fox Eating Cooling uh, text line here a, a little bit ago from, uh, from Phil. And uh, Phil had talked about, you know, they had fan day over the weekend. He had tried to get some single game tickets, but, you know, sold out, but was shocked to see uh, fans that were selling them on some of the ticket websites. I actually saw, thank you, Phil, for the text. I actually saw some of the, uh, somebody posted, it was IU lower bowl tickets, a screenshot somebody wanted like $1,500 a piece. It was like insane. Phil's thing was he was mad at some of these John Purdue Club members for for selling such tickets. And I've seen people say that they should be revoked for doing that. I, I'm not going to go crazy with that. I I hate when you... There are people that buy season tickets specifically to sell them and make a profit, and I think that is absolutely terrible. Because I think those tickets should go to somebody that you know, actually wants to go to the games. Some people will buy season tickets because they only want to go to one or two games. They want to sell the rest of them. Uh, dicey. I, I can't I can't poo-poo uh, regular people who just want to sell tickets, by the way, uh, because sometimes you get the full package and uh, you can't go to some games. You want to get rid of them. I get that. Get some of your money back. It helps fund those things. I also understand there are some people that just see it as a way to fund their season ticket purchase. You know, you keep four, five, six games for yourself. You sell some of the off ones. You make some money. And, and that way it offsets the cost. Uh, it, it's hard. I mean, how you just can't. And, and the tweet said John Purdue Club members that do that should, you know, have their season tickets revoked. I, but if you buy the whole ticket, sometimes you can't make it. So wouldn't you sell the tickets? Now it's the IU game, and you sit there and you say to yourself, well, why would you sell those tickets? You should be going to that game. First of all, you shouldn't be selling it to Indiana fans. I know that. But how can you differentiate? You just can't. Some of these people are looking at and go, hey, look, I can pay off uh, a good chunk of my season ticket bill by getting rid of these two. I'd be happy with that. That's tough, man. I just, I, I wish fans wouldn't think that way. That would be in an ideal world. The ones that buy them specifically to sell them all are terrible. And I, you're a terrible fan, but ones that like legitimately sell them because they can't make it to those games, uh, I I understand that. And the ones that will sell a couple to help pay off the season tickets, I will sympathize with. But yeah, there's just some games I feel like you shouldn't be allowed to sell them. That is definitely the IU game. All right, we're gonna hurry up and take our last break. We'll come right back with some things that we missed. Oh, Jim Harbaugh's at it again. I'll tell you what's up. His crawl next as we wrap up uh, the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer.